0: Hi, Tom <laughs> Hello, hello. <laughs> so this is this is us pretending like we're starting a conversation right now. Um, I'm very happy to talk to you today. I reached out to you because of your book, The Listening Space. All right, here it is. Uh, <laughs> because in my journey in exploring clean language and the clean questions, um, I came across it as you really bringing together the field of mindfulness with clean and how to use that for your self-exploration, both alone and with a partner. And I found that such an interesting um, approach, and especially that quality of bringing in the mindfulness as you do, I found very innovative. So that's why I would love to talk to you about it. Thank you very much for doing that.
1: And thank you very much for inviting me. It's been really nice to meet you and um, yes. to get to know you a little bit better.
0: Yes. So. We have had a bit of talk beforehand, so uh, all of that still there, but I I would love to to jump in with you. Uh, You already offered, you're open to doing a short guided meditation and we might do that just in a moment. Yeah. But um, So in reading this book, I, I was really fascinated by you using clean as an approach that people can use with themselves, also with a partner, but where rather than just asking ourselves questions, you actually went and brought in mindfulness and the element of becoming aware of the senses, what are we sensing, feeling, uh, all of those things. And I'm curious how that came together for you and what what your inspiration for that was.
1: It's interesting that you do this. Um, I do that a lot. It just, yeah, it's it's I, about
0: bringing I, things together.
1: In your previous um, <laughs> podcast with um, Nick, which, I, which was lovely to listen to, because I have a similar <laughs> gesture. And I wonder whether it's just worth um, explaining a little bit about the sort of path that brought me to, to doing
0: this. Go for um,
1: it. Uh, so I was a physiotherapist for 10 years, um, working with patients in neurology, people who'd had stroke, Head injury, multiple sclerosis, range of neurological conditions. So I was already interested in the embodiedness when, in the physical body. It was what what you know what I did, um, and so I I worked for about ten years, then took time out to bring up young children, and then I came across clean language and got hooked very quickly, mm-hmm. um, and trained to be a coach. Um, And the element of clean that I loved was working through metaphor um, when people Mm -hmm. describe one thing in terms of another. So we use metaphor in the broadest context, not just similes, analogies, but everything comes under that umbrella,
0: if you like. And maybe me just coming in there, because I think for people who might be new to this, uh, that definition of metaphor being that describing one thing in terms of another. So rather than talking, uh, then when I describe, I can hold things like a cup. Uh, I can actually describe, yes, there is a cup and I can hold things in it, but I can also describe my capacity to have a good memory where I can hold things almost like a cup or I have a big emotional container and I will use the metaphor. And in that metaphor, I can actually put a whole bunch of information into that tiny, I can hold information like a cup uh, that would otherwise use lots of words to describe what I mean
1: lovely Uh, and lovely way of describing it and capturing the um the way that metaphor helps to make the intangible um tangible you know Mm -hmm. memories ideas love all those conceptual words that we can't actually touch and feel um giving something some tangible form to it fear confidence feelings Uh, Mm -hmm. metaphor helps to make the less tangible tangible um and in a way that um can give instant sense of what it is to somebody else not just to you um but when when the holder is like um like a cup Coming to know what that cup is like, you know, is it is it a big, um, you know, bowl that you can uh, uh, hold in your hands, or is it a fine teacup that you need to, yeah, and <laughs> all the qualities of the metaphor uh, that arises from the right brain, um, it, we can then inquire and start to notice more, and the features of the metaphor can give us all sorts of information about how we're experiencing that situation.
0: So so to maybe translate that one step further, if I say, yeah, my memories, I have have this memory almost like a cup where I can hold things. And in you asking me questions and asking me the clean questions, oh, what kind of cup is that cup? Uh, Where is that cup? Uh, I can actually learn something through exploring my own metaphor. I can learn something about my own inner world That I already implied by calling it this memory like a cup, but in finding out, wow, what is that cup like? What kind of cup is that? Yes, Um, I can learn things about myself that can be tremendously insightful. Yes. Um, And it works through going into that metaphor. So that's actually maybe a really good succinct introduction to what is clean. It's exploring that.
1: Yes. And finding your own metaphor david grove who created clean language uh, referred to autogenic metaphors metaphors that are generated within yourself by yourself not given to you it's not me telling you your memory is like a, a cup it's you uh, being asked questions that bring awareness to yourself that often invite metaphor mm-hmm. yeah so, so the metaphor element i was fascinated by it's also metaphor is um, can be playful. It can be fun. It can be it's 3D. It's colourful. It's 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 mm-hmm. something you can get hold of <laughs> metaphorically. Um, so it can really bring uh, an experience to life in a different way. Um, so that that the, the interest in metaphor was already there, and then I did a mindfulness course and repeated it, and it occurred to me that meditating. Um, there were there were a lot of parallels <laughs> there was a lot of overlap it felt like being facilitated using clean questions um, it can feel very sort of trancy um, to be asked these questions when you asked them in an in-depth way you know, it enables you to really go into your uh, inner experience of a situation so i thought okay well how can you take clean language which is often used as an outcome oriented process how can you take clean questions and combine them with mindfulness in a way that, you know, what's the interface between the two? How do you combine them? And that's where over a number of years, I um, created what I call the listening space, which is a way of using just a particular way of using these questions that um, keeps coming back to a focus point and starts with a question. What would you like to explore mm-hmm. rather than what would you like to have happen? Um, So, yes, that's my and 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 that focus word that 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 focal point is always chosen by the person who is doing the exploring. It's a relationship between facilitator and explorer and the explorer chooses which word is resonating most for them. And because it's a word that resonates for them, it's it's an embodied word. And I mean, I take that in a in the broadest sense. when I say embodied, I mean something that is happening in or around their body. So it could be the way they're thinking, the, the way they're feeling, the way they're doing with their body, what they're doing with their body. So embodied, I take um, in a bit of a cheats way <laughs> to mean all of that. Um, and because you keep coming back to it, it, it becomes a very mindful embodied
0: process. And so that, that already took a few steps here could go from, <laughs> from the physiotherapy yeah, Find, finding clean mindfulness and then making it your own with the listening space yes and i would love to to maybe take that making it your own and expand on that a little bit and take a few steps because um i would love to explore your uh your sense of using mindfulness and clean together and actually just yeah. take, a, take a moment there and you offer to do a breathing meditation with these clean questions. And if you're still up for that, I would be very curious in both offering that to us. So we have something to talk yep. about, but also to the people listening so they can maybe get a sense of what is that clean mindfulness.
1: That would be lovely to do. And I've realized there's one thing I need to explain before we do that, that really Absolutely. is my metaphor for bringing mindfulness bringing a mindful approach and it's it's that of um, a welcome mat so um what i what's really important to do before asking or being asked questions in this way is to wipe your feet on the welcome mat and in so doing you wipe away any desire to fix change analyze interpret you welcome in equal measure all your thoughts and feelings and when i say feelings that could be bodily sensations or it could be emotions so you're welcoming in equal measure whatever arises for you you're not trying to get somewhere you're not trying to achieve something but rather just notice and be with what is does that make sense
0: yes okay. yeah. so, so it's so it's actually the space you want to invite both in you asking questions but also in me listening to your questions and potentially any listener listening to your questions is wiping the feet on the welcome mat and saying whatever happens whatever is in awareness is what's in awareness
1: yes so imagine you've got and i think i showed you before but imagine you've got i take this to me workshops. imagine you've got you actually
0: made a welcome mat huh
1: (laughs) imagine you've got this lovely big welcome mat and you can wipe your feet on that because this is just a space for noticing what is for you Mm -hmm. okay so um we're going to do a short breathing meditation and actually um we're going to extend it a little bit to uh so before we do that i'm going to suggest and viewers might um, want to just go and get themselves a piece of paper and Mm -hmm. pens if they have or colored pens if you have so that they're to hand you can press pause if you need to Um, And um, so we're gonna bring awareness to the breath and just enjoy this short meditation. Um, So you might want to close your eyes or just soften your gaze, make yourself comfortable, whatever that means for you. And wipe your feet on that lovely welcome mat. And I'm going to give you an instruction followed by a set of questions. And I'm gonna pause after each question so that you can just notice what arises for you in response to the question. A question and then a pause. And notice your breathing. Whereabouts do you notice your breathing? Do you notice your breathing on the inside or the outside? And what kind of breathing is that breathing? And does that breathing have a size? or a shape? And does that breathing have a sound? And is there anything else about that breathing? And gradually bringing your awareness the room around you, move if you need to, stretch if you need to. And I'm gonna invite you to represent what arose for you in some way on paper. Now that might be an image, it might be some words, but just to represent in some way what arose for you. And you might want to ask yourself, what do I notice as I look at what I've drawn or written? And is there anything else about what I notice as I look at what I've drawn written? And what do I know now about that breathing? And what difference does knowing that make? And those are the listening space questions.
0: Hmm. I'm curious, yeah, (laughs) what what was your experience? I am definitely more, burp. and with that bird also more uh, <laughs> tired. Yeah. I could just relax back and sit somewhere. And I will just do that right now and continue talking to you. And what I noticed was it was me staying with my breathing in a very lovely, open way. And what I was most aware of was that the breath was this constantly um, moving shape in my solar plexus, pretty much in the middle of my of my diaphragm. So it was this. And what I what I came up with was this visualization of that moving thing and the words thank you because what I was left with and I don't even know who that thank you is to but that those were the words that came with it it was a thank you yeah
1: lovely and everybody's experience will be different and the difference between a clean meditation is that I'm not telling you what to notice I'm just inviting you to, um, I'm not telling you what to bring your attention to. So everybody will notice different things. And some people, I mean, this shape here that you've drawn um, is a metaphor. It's not literally there. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's the beginning of a metaphor. Um, And for some that happens, but for many it does. um, And for others, it doesn't. For me, I had this sense of Uh, the sails wind um, what do you call them Yeah, sails and a sailing boat and they were being flapped quite strongly to begin with and as the meditation um, progressed I could feel them stilling like the wind was just calming uh, a bit and yeah so those are clean questions that you can use for self-inquiry and you could use them you can use clean questions to inquire about pretty much any aspect, well, literally any aspect of your experience.
0: What, what, I, what I like about these questions also for mindfulness, and it's not the first time that I've listened to one of your meditations because you do offer them on your website. So yeah. I have listened to them before. What I like about it is the sense of, there is a clear instruction, which is pay attention to your breathing. Mm. But beyond that, it's what's happening in me. And the questions for like, give me a, a clear, bringing my attention back to the breath for certain, with a certain question, what kind of breathing is that breathing? Does it have a size or a shape? But rather than you telling me to, inhale to the count of three and then exhale which also has its place like yes. that, I can actually experience uh, have an interesting experience doing that but it uh, it just allows my awareness and my questioning and exploring the breath to unfold and I find that is a very gentle and surprisingly deep approach towards mindfulness because it brings the attention back to the object of mindfulness and at the same time it allows my own rhythm to unfold it and it could look so different for for different people but uh, but they are the same questions
1: yes that's a lovely way of describing it people often describe a sense of coming home to themselves um, and there is a sense of real agency for, for you as the explorer, the person receiving the questions. Um, I, a friend of mine has a lovely expression, um, or when someone's not being clean, that they're speaking into my life. Hmm. These, are, these questions prevent other people from speaking into your life. And I quite liked that. You know, let, let my experience be in this moment what my experience is.
0: Um, yeah, and and I'm curious what what your experience with people using this as an approach to mindfulness, what your experience with the kind of effects of that over time are.
1: So I mean, I suppose I don't teach mindfulness. I'm a coach, mm. but I use this um, process um, a lot in my coaching. A lot. And um, I, it, my way of seeing it is that it brings mindful, aware, uh, mindful awareness of that person's experience through metaphor, it means that they've then got some, something tangible that has the possibility of changing. And I, I think mm-hmm. I shared with you an example, but I wonder whether this would be a useful um, point to um, give an example from a client session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that people to to make it more tangible. So um, the way that that I bring the mindful <laughs> sort of mindfulness element to uh, being with a client might be that I it may be that we open by saying, "What would you like to explore?" and then they'll go into a very long and, and exploration that could last an hour or it may be that they're talking about whatever's on their mind. And I hear things that seem to have resonance, that seem to have um, emotional charge or um, it is repeated. So this particular client talked about boil, she said, I, I boil. I'm in the meeting and um, you know, I feel like they're not listening to me. And when that happens, I just boil. And she mentioned this word a few times and um, and so I said, well, is that something you'd like to explore a little bit more? Boil. you've mentioned that a few times. Yes, that would be, that'd be great. So we took that as the focus, the focus where to keep coming back to, just as we did breathing for that meditation. What kind of boil, anything else about boil, whereabouts is boil? And with clean language, I think one of the, one of the really important elements of it is the repeating back. So there's the, um, I'm listening to you, I'm hearing your words, I'm repeating them back, but it also means you can listen to yourself. And that's a really, really important aspect. And I, it might be worth talking a little bit about the repeating back in a minute, but so boil very quickly she spoke quickly um so boil was something that started here in my belly um it comes up and oh god when it comes to here boy i've just lost it she's talking very quickly and then she gets quite um a passive aggressive or aggressive in the meeting and uh the consequence of that is relationships get a bit touchy and she's not able to advocate for her clients that she's representing in this meeting these meetings so um uh, she said actually it's a bit like lava It's coming up in my spine so very quick would you like to represent that on paper and she got a black pen and she got a red pen and very quickly she drew this this was um, the lava coming up through her spine this is boil um, and uh, when it gets there that's it she's lost it for the rest, rest of the day she can't calm down You mm. <laughs> sort of tension rising really unpleasant experience for her Uh, and not helping her. Um, So uh, actually what you can do then is um, very often when you uh, ask questions in this way, clean questions, and bring awareness in this way, actually solutions start to reveal themselves um, just because you keep coming back and taking a a look at the problem as as it were, Uh, finding out more, exposing, revealing. Um, in this instance, she didn't come to a solution. So I just said, okay, so that's boil. Uh, what would work better instead? And she said, well, putting a lid on it. And she drew a lid across here. So what would happen better? Put a lid on it and then it would contain it. So even after the session, you continue those principles of mindfulness or mindful awareness rather. Um, so I said, okay, if boil happens again great just get curious notice it really notice all the qualities of it bring curiosity to it don't try and stop it notice it Um, so i think that's important it not just within your bit of exploration within those asking that those listening space questions but it's also beyond how do you help that person be with that experience if they notice it again Um, And actually, it didn't happen again, because she had a different way of coming to know herself. She also was able to look at some of the behaviours that she could do, putting a lid on it, what that involved, what she could say. But because she had a much more tangible awareness, she had, if you like, an early warning system. uh, You know, early warning security alert. um, You know, this is happening. Ah, okay, yeah. That boil. I can feel it. I need to do something right. You know, I need to bring care and attention to myself right now. Because this is happening.
0: Mm. So you were in that session, she came with a problem. And that yes. problem was boil. That she would have those those moments of boil. Yes. And in exploring the the metaphor that is contained in boil, she got to know that whole process a lot more, and that it wasn't just a one second, but she got to know the process. And in getting to know the process and staying with it curiously, she could find a solution, a lid on it, which is interesting. My my mind would immediately say that's not a very sustainable solution, but that's my mind. And she had that early warning system. So where in the future it happened, she could get aware of it earlier and thus avoid the later stages of boil.
1: So it brings mindful awareness in the real nitty gritty grittiness of real life. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the moment, in the heat of the moment.
0: Ah. And it which was that... is, mm-hmm.
1: Which is, you know, can be very helpful. I mean, I can give other examples. And and it's it's also, it's just fascinating, you know, when you ask these questions, it's like a story unfolds, (laughs) particularly, this was quick, 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 but particularly when someone's sort of really processing deeply and not not that this wasn't deeply, but, um, and they're really, and it's like, awareness builds over time. And as a facilitator, you're thinking, wow, this is absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. And always I learn something as well, because, you know, they're often common human experiences, you know, so I learn from how they're experiencing their situation, their life, Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that, that, you know, this has very tangible, it's very, uh, you get a real sense of how this person is experiencing things.
0: Yeah. And that is... Uh, speaking in this mindfulness i mean this is already the step beyond pure mindfulness or beyond purely for instance becoming aware of the breath this is this is really applying the same principles to a a very specific experience and allowing that to unfold deepen become more nuanced and detailed and what, what you also said earlier is that will then have in itself possibilities for change, possibilities for transformation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got those some lovely stories around that. There's, there's one that I share in, in the book, I think, um, of a friend that I asked these questions. So it wouldn't just be in coaching sessions where you've already got a contract so i wouldn't explain okay now i'm going to ask these questions because i've already got a contract to work with that person but what's lovely about asking these questions is that you can hold a listening space for um, a friend you know it may be well it may be something problematic that they'd like to gain clarity on it might be a creative idea that they want to develop I facilitated some someone around um she couldn't get a sense of how the book that she's writing um how that was going to look and feel in her hands so just you know held a listening space for her so it's a lovely it's a really lovely thing to be able to do for someone with permission you have to explain what's involved it's not a normal conversation but this friend um was talking about she has Five children, <laughs> a very busy life, and she was talking about tension that she um, experiences in the top half of her chest. Um, so, you know, do you want me to ask you some clean questions about it? And she said, Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So, it's tension is like it starts um, from the base of her skull, I think, down to her waist. And she started with these questions. It um, became apparent that this was like iron armor on the outside crushing inwards like thick iron armor and it's all rusty and more questions uh, repeating back her words so that she could hear them and um and she said yes it's impenetrable and then as she was noticing this she said oh but there's a key um in the middle of my chest well in front of my heart and it's in a keyhole and it's saying um turn me turn me come on turn me and um, some more of the questions, and she said, "Yes, um, it's I'm, I'm turning it now. Uh, it's going clockwise, and it's actually it's turning really easily." And then she said, all of a sudden, she said, "Oh, it's just gone ping! That iron armor is just flung open, and it's fallen to the ground, and um, it feels all liquidy now. Um, I can move, and I feel flexible and strong, and it feels just right." and so i asked her what do you know now and she said i I realize it's up to me and that the key is the only way in um it's otherwise impenetrable um but i know but before i didn't have a choice now i know what i can do so just by bringing awareness this key appeared in the middle of her in the middle of her chest and metaphors seem to have a rather magical quality to them sometimes that um reveal solutions that mm. seem like a perfect fit mm. for that person or at least one they can try out and see how it works and that did have a lasting effect for her actually she said i could now i can i can sense more easily when that iron arm is building up and i know that i've got to open it
0: mm. so it's yeah what i'm what i'm so fascinated by and i'm fascinated by that through my own sessions which which use a different approach and similar but different questions but the the kind of natural intelligence within yeah. within each of us and also this the incredible amount of information that is available within ourselves, within our body, within our experience, if we look. I I just find that so fascinating that, that in asking questions of this armor. Yes. Yes. The the armor unfolds and it has a solution within itself, quite literally in this case. Yes. Um, but that the same can happen when we explore problematic patterns, when we, when we are with them curiously and, yes. we, and we allow that to unfold. In my language, I would, I would say that when we explore the parts of us that are creating yes. problems yes. And, we, and we can be curious about them and we can use the information both in the form of thoughts but also pictures, sensations, all of that, there is a natural e- evolution that can happen without us having to fix anything, but because the fixing comes from within, somewhere within. Yeah.
1: It's like as a facilitator, you hand the cleverness over to the person whose body can then find some cleverness within. That, uh, and, and integration within, like um, seeing that part that might have been uh, sabotaging them or, uh, yeah, and, and everything is welcome, which is what I really want to get across with this to people. And I wonder if I might say a little bit about the voice, which I think is really important um, as a person asking the questions. And it wasn't until sort of relatively recently that I realized that um, as a physiotherapist, my voice I would use as a second pair of hands. So I had my physical hands. I was often having to guide people to, to, to facilitate them, to, you know, um, support them. If they couldn't walk if they couldn't sit, if they couldn't get to sit up. So my hands were, were my, <laughs> you know, a very important tool, but my voice was also and I don't didn't realize just how important if someone has a lot of high tone uh, a lot of spasticity it doesn't do to talk fast and quite loud what you need to do is fewer words and karma and I'm using my voice to help to settle their neurology equally if someone's very floppy and you need to get them up and they want to you you want to boost the activity you might go up and up and you can get so there's a whole range that i was using and that was almost like a second pair of hands and it occurs to me that actually your your voice is a way of connecting and touching someone reaching Mm -hmm. someone is a really important way of doing that And one of the things that helps this, I think, is bringing a tone of voice in which nothing that you say is going to surprise me or make me frightened or I will be, I mean, obviously there are the usual safeguarding measures that you take within your professional work. So you have those measures in place. But in terms of what the client says, what your explorer says, there's something so liberating for people when they know that literally anything that they say is going to be welcomed with your body, really, in that and and the way that you'll repeat back your words are with total curiosity. I know that when I start teaching, because I deliver courses on the listening space, and um, I know when when people are new to this, sometimes really dark metaphors arise um, there was a, someone I know who had a, a knife going into her back, and you could tell that the rest of the group were kind of, oh God, you know, is this alright? Is this <laughs> it really sound very nice? And I asked her, you know, you know, I brought this up, and she said, oh no no, I, that that was okay for me. So you never assume what somebody's experience is of what they're saying, and you welcome it all with curiosity. Oh, and a knife going into your back. Hmm. And there's a sort of hmm. It's almost as if you're kind of yeah mulling it over and curious. And so with your tone of voice, you can really you're helping to welcome that whole person <laughs> through everything they say. And and you can and you can also bring a bit of playfulness, a bit of you know sassiness, a bit of where it's appropriate. So it, you can bring a whole range. With your voice does that make sense
0: yeah I, I think it's such an important element like the so two two things in what you say so one being i think about about the listening space and about the clean processes in general is is that repeating back
1: yes and
0: so um the the people who've created the kind of clean or systemic uh uh symbolic modeling processes. They call it the three-part grammar of whatever whatever the client, whatever the explorer says, you will repeat back the important words. Pause. And when and then you repeat back one part of yeah. that. Pause. And then you ask a question. And the how you repeat back already has such a big impact on how the other person feels received or not. So... Knife and knife on my back. Oh, is a different receiving yes. of oh, oh, wow, knife in your back. Yes, and, and if, if
1: there's, yeah, it's this, nice. yeah, there's no <laughs> in response to what someone say, Oh, <laughs> there's none of that. And actually, in a listening space, we don't use three part grammar as much, it, you just repeat back and ask the next question. Mm-hmm. And I have a rule of thumb because you're wanting to speak. You're wanting to, as much as possible, invite the right brain (laughs) into the conversation. The left brain verbal mind loves words and categories and uh, meaning. But actually, in order to really optimize that possibility of uh, the right brain being part of the conversation, um, I have a rule of thumb that you only repeat back not more than three or four items. Hmm. So it might be a word, an item could be a word or a short phrase. It could be a whole sentence, but it's not too many words. And the silence between is as important as the list of mm-hmm. words. And of course, we'll never know what the important words were for that per- person. Um, however, so yes, all of that becomes important, the silence. They're giving a chance for those words to really land in the body. So it's not just a list of A, B, C, and D, and E, and F, and G, and H.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so it is the silence. It is the tone of voice. Yeah. And also, what I would, in, in my, my language, call, we don't know which word is the most important, but we can watch for somatic markers. We can watch which, okay. which words are somatically meaningful, which words have a somatic marker yes. to them. So, so there are, it's gray, red, and blue. And blue is so obviously different that, that yes. we can pick up that difference in their, la- in their voice, in their body, in their, and we can pick up on that and go, oh, blue and where is blue and yes. we can we can yes. uh, unfold what seems somatically meaningful
1: am i don't know if this is an aside that's relevant but you talking about blue is making me think how, <laughs> how i have a story that's just been shared with me actually a lovely story about um, a mother and her child a mother who came on the course and just so it gives you not just thinking of clients but the children who are in bodying big emotions and who you know and and fight using uh clean questions as a way of coming to those somatic markers to those um that experience of the child and this um can i read a little bit she she said it was okay to share she mm-hmm. said she said i feel a bit at sea at the moment she has a five-year-old son who was getting quite uh tricky to manage at times But I was amazed how easily my son and I both worked through the five simple questions and how helpful it is, has been to have a language to communicate feelings, even when emotions are high. I now just ask how much red, that's anger, or blue, for him that's sadness, um, is there? And where is that anger? Is it still down in your tummy or is it up here where it goes boom? She said, I then have a better idea of how much capacity he has. Do we need to take time out and work through it? Uh, or can we just get a blanket and curl up with a book? That's his calm and happy place. And that's just with five questions. And she said, now every morning, he says, um, it's, just, it's just a full school. He says, I'm going to, going to go into a bit of that drawing mummy. So it's like giving, so even with a five-year-old, and I, it's giving that, actually, no, he's only four. It's it's um, it's amazing how much that these questions can help uh, give definition to or uh, give form to feelings that are overwhelming and really challenging. Um, yeah, and, I thought and it's,
0: and it is also because in talking to her son, she if she follows kind of the the steps, it's she sticks with his metaphors. Yes. And children obviously have their own metaphors. And yes. they, they will often, they, they will be quite detailed, but they are often quite simple too, because yes. the, 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 the child mind is not fully developed yet. So it's often a little bit less complexity, but then sticking to his metaphor, red, blue, yellow. And yes. if, if they have a shared meaning, it's yes. obviously so much easier to communicate. Exactly, exactly.
1: I mean, it's, it's mindful awareness for him. Yes. In that, you know, in the moments, that, and, and it means that it also gives her a way of regulating herself, if you like, to co-regulate. This was a kind of way of communicating between the two that helped that, the settling, the balancing of regulation between the two regulating their systems.
0: Yeah. So they so, yeah, in many ways. Like if I look at that through the regulation lens, like yeah. having a shared vocabulary yes. creates safety. Yes. Having having rituals that yes. you can do creates safety. Yes. Um being able to express high emotional charge through words that are understood creates yes. safety. So this is this create, creates many layers of safety actually between yes. them. Yes. And and the thing I just find so beautiful in that is it's not different for, for us as adults. Our inner worlds and metaphors are quite probably more complex, but it's still having somebody who actually listens to my metaphor yes. and who doesn't just put their meaning on it, but who's curious about yes. what this means for me and who's also with, who can then check back in with that. Like Mm. That's deeply meaningful. And that also creates a sense of feeling heard, feeling safe. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. When I was practicing this first, when I was first learning this stuff, I, I had a practice partner and a metaphor had arisen for me. And she started after the facilitation, she started analyzing my metaphor and it actually felt really violating. I know that sounds a bit, you know, extreme, but it felt really uncomfortable. It would have felt more com- uncomfortable, more comfortable for her to if I talked about. See, so, you know, the thing about metaphor is you you're not actually talking about the detail of the situation necessarily. It keeps the the um, talking of the thing. Um, it, it brings an inherent safety because you're not describing what he said, what she said, what he did. Uh, you don't have to um, say all of that. Um, to the other person, you can you can uh, that 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 can stay personal if you want it to. Um, and actually, it, it felt really really uncomfortable that she'd analysed my metaphor. It was quite uh, useful for me to know
0: mm-hmm.
1: how 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 uncomfortable that was and how it didn't feel right to be doing.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, in your courses, you were yeah. teaching people the this process yes and you're teaching them to do this with each other
1: yes so we we go on a journey you've got the lighthouse behind me and the light has it has on the book that yes. we go on a, 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 a we um, go in the each floor represents a different aspect of the learning so the ground floor is about um, being with self using these questions for self-inquiry the next floor is uh, you learn about metaphor um a bit more about metaphor and how fascinating it is how fundamental it is to the way we think and then the next floor up is the um is called being with others so that's about whole, learning how to hold a listening space for others and then the lantern room right at the top um is in the book it's where seven individuals talk about how they use clean questions in the listening space in their everyday life and you know there's a as a composer a policeman a mother a teenager so really varied uh, examples um, and actually the other thing is I, I in my blogs I try and capture stories of, from people who are using these questions because I well they're beautiful stories um, and also I think it helps people give ideas um, this mother with a child with blue and uh, blue sadness and red anger she'd read a blog from another mother who'd used these questions with her child who'd absolutely lost it doing mental maths in lockdown um so yeah the the, the blogs uh, are another source of um mm-hmm. learning about how you could use these questions
0: and what's your experience with how easy is it for people to pick this up with each other
1: do you know I think, I,
0: don't I think know
1: the thing, the thing that makes it difficult, do, do you know about the drama triangle? Yes. I do know, the know about the drama about triangle. Okay. So I think if you can let go, so as a listener, as a coach, as a whatever it is that you do, as a parent, one of the biggest traps we fall into is to become rescuer. I don't know if you'd agree. And I think mm-hmm. if you can really let go of, be willing to, in you, in, when you wipe your feet on the welcome mat, it helps to put this to one side, okay? Because you're not here to make it make better. If you can do that, um, then it, I, I think the process is, is relatively easy to learn because the questions are very straightforward. It does feel um, alien to begin with, I think, because it's a, not a normal conversation but most people find it very liberating, both as an explorer and as a facilitator, because you don't have to worry about where you're going with the questions, um, which question to ask next, because there's a very clear structure to them. <laughs> so um, it, with the, 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 the course uh, it's five weeks, an hour and a half each week. And then our, actually we run a, a practice group, which is really nice. That's free for people to come to uh, once a week. Um, because then I get to get a listening space as well <laughs> so <that's good. laughs> um, yes so that's that's the learning of and, and there are some examples of listening space on the website on the
0: on the and, and uh, the thing I'm curious about is because I run my own courses and they have their own process and all of that and my sense is actually there is something strange about a lot of that but Actually, people pick it up so quick, and people can have deep, meaningful explorations with each other. And one of the things in reading your book is actually uh, how many m- words and metaphors you use that I use too. So I also call people explorers. It, it, I call yeah. it listen, listening. Yeah. So, so, uh, but my sense is just that. There is something so natural and human about it too, to just listen to another person. And when I when I know what questions I can ask and also I know kind of what questions I will be asked because both of that creates safety. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: people are, are absolutely capable of having meaningful exchanges with each other. And I, I find yes. that so beautiful to see and to see that it doesn't take crazy amounts of years it, of training
1: it doesn't and actually if you make me think because if you can do this even with your within your sort of everyday well, within your work or everyday conversations if you can do i, I talk about doing some kind of internal press pause and you'll you'll you're just noticing what your mental model of what the person said is and just putting that to one side whatever that means for you so that you can get curious You could do it straight away. You don't need lots of training. All you need to do is, well, you could do a number of things. You could just repeat back a word or two with some curiosity. Oh, but frustrated. Um, Or whatever it is that they've said. So first off, you could do this and set aside any desire to do
0: this
1: (laughs) 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 but if you do this alone you're almost it's 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 like bringing a clean mindset to the conversation to the interaction Hmm. if you can do that it may be that you just repeat back some and say oh is there anything else about that repeat back some anything else it can be as simple as that and, and, and it's just your way of saying, oh, do you want to say a bit more about that? So repeating back or repeating back and asking, probably the most conversational question is uh, what kind of, mm-hmm. what kind of um, stuck? I'm stuck on this project, what kind of stuck? It's conversational, you're literally, you're not trying to do anything other than check out your understanding of it. Or do you want to say a bit more about that? So I have this, I say, look, you know, at this end sits that press pause and noticing what you're telling yourself about what that person has said or done. Uh, A little way in might be repeating back a word or two. It may be that you ask conversation, what kind of of, uh, frustrated, uh, what kind of disrespect. But at the other end of the beam, at the upper end, is asking the full-on set of questions in a a very in-depth way and that could last an hour or more so there's a whole range you could use them straight away by doing this in this moment while this person is talking while maybe your client maybe your friend is talking just noticing what you're telling yourself put it to one side get curious oh anything else about that or repeating back a word or two so it is as simple as that. The intention is clean, and you might add a clean question. What kind? Maybe. Of thing maybe. That? maybe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anything else about all of this for today? Because I feel like actually this is kind of a very nice good place, place to, to, to close. It.
1: No, thank you. I've really enjoyed uh, our conversation and having this opportunity. So thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you very much to you. I've enjoyed this too. I found it. I find it so fascinating to see the, to see the differences in approach, but also all the similarities. Because so many of the things you emphasize are so close to what I will emphasize. I would just use different words. So I would. Please. I would call it. Uh, I, the word I would use is make sure that you're in self so yeah. self Lovely. is the, self is self is kind of the healthy adult we all have inside of us yeah that is always yeah. available yes. um, and make sure you're you're in that and can you set aside any parts that are doing whatever they want to do and i find the rescuer Lovely. all of that can you can you ask them to step aside a little bit so that yeah. there is more self Lovely. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a good. that's a slightly different metaphor and it's a slightly different model of yes. of our inner world but it but it points to the very same principles.
1: Yeah, lovely way of putting it. And whatever it is for you that helps you to come to that place, yes, um, is yeah.
0: So thank you very much for this conversation, and I will thank you. Press on. Stop here. <music>